where did I go? Cause now this is all people see or think of me where I'm proud of who I am. And I do want people to know I also am a good person. I'm honest. I work hard. I show up for the community. I hope I'm a good friend. You know, there's these things that we all have in addition to our identities. And for me, I felt like there was a large part of me was erased while I feel like the most truthful part of me was emerging. And that dynamic was extremely difficult. Hi everyone, it's Marcy Bullock. Welcome back to season three of Wolfpack Career Chats, the anchor season. A, ambition. N, networking. C, compassion. H, health, both mental and physical. O, organization. And R, resilient. Enjoy the pod. It's Pride Month. Woo, woo, woo. Woo. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, listeners. Today, I am super thrilled to have Susie Silver here today. Hi, Susie. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. I have been looking forward to this June celebration. I think it's everywhere around downtown Raleigh where I live with all the pride, excitement, and on my Peloton when I'm doing rides, all of the rainbows are everywhere. And we wanted to acknowledge and celebrate that on Wolfpack Career Chats today. And I thought no one better to have a conversation with than you. So would you start off by sharing a little bit about your story and why Pride Month is important to you? Yes. And thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to be here and honored for whoever listens to this. So thank you. And I am part of the LGBTQ plus community. I have been with my wife. We've been married almost 10 years this month, which we loved getting married in June. (laughs) That's our celebration every year, really. And then together for almost 14, uh, we've got two amazing young kids. And, you know, my story started as a hard one and has progressively gotten happier and better and easier. And, you know, I'll share a little bit about that now, and then we can expand whatever you would want to know I can I can share. At the age of 27, I discovered who I loved, and it hit me so hard of, oh, okay, this is who I am. This is my person. And looking back, honestly, at my teen years, my childhood, there were so many clues to me of who I was and what my sexual orientation is. But growing up in the 80s and 90s, there wasn't a lot of representation, especially in a positive way. And so I now understand through a lot of years, time reflecting, thinking and therapy, you know, I'm very open about mental health support that I understand. Fast forwarding back a little bit, uh, I met my now wife and, you know, fell madly in love. And I was also outed to the people closest in my life from somebody very close in my life. And what immediately happened. And when I say immediately, it still spans a long period of time of a couple years was horrific. It was traumatic. And I don't use that word lightly. That was diagnosed, you know, trauma, uh, depression, anxiety. And I had a really, really hard time. It wasn't the happiness that I felt in this relationship, happiness, safety, feeling seen by somebody just for who I was. And at the same time, I was struggling so much. So that's the beginning of 
the story, right? And it's hard to recall. It is hard to tell, but I do choose to tell it and even in some more detail um, at certain times because I feel like beyond myself and if by sharing potentially could make someone feel safer or seen or help somebody understand that hasn't understood before, you know, it's a, it's a bridge builder is what I hope. And again, outside of myself is very important to me. And also many years ago at this point, I did redefine what I feel like my purpose is, which is yes, of course, telling my story, but doing the work within my community, outside of my community to help individuals, groups, businesses, whatever the group is, understand and support and truly accept, not tolerate, but truly accept the LGBTQ plus community. So that's it in a very quick nutshell, (laughs) a little bit about my story. Yes, yes. And thanks for being vulnerable about going back to the really painful time. And this is why we want our listeners to realize that the struggle is real for many people. I've heard a lot of students come to me and say, I just don't think I can tell my parents because they're paying for college. And I don't think that I can graduate if they know this information. It's just so painful. I've heard students say they went through conversion therapy. And I'm like, wait, this is 2022. How is this still happening? So what advice would you have for someone that is going through that uncertainty and fear at this time? Yes, you know, that's a great question. And it will really be different for everybody, of course. We, we know that where I may say something or give some advice I'm one person with one set of experience and a lens of operating in this world. With that said, you know, a little bit of advice would be find your people. (laughs) You know, oftentimes that's called chosen family. Some of us are lucky enough to have our chosen family and our biological or, or true family, you know, so to speak, our given family. But find your people. And even if that people means one person, that you know that you can lean on, that you can be raw, you can be vulnerable, you can ask for help when and if you may need it. That is one thing. Also, if you feel like you are going to understand a reaction, sometimes we're pleasantly surprised, you know, and there's real unfortunate justification to these fears that you have shared with me and and students share. Also pre-plan in a way, you know, get, get yourself together in a way where if it's finances, if possible, you know, look into, is it loans? Is it a job? That's easier said than done. And there's a lot of privilege even in itself saying that, right? So the acknowledgement of a lot of that within this conversation, but if we can pre-plan and ask for help in that, that's where your people can, can come in. Hey, I'm planning on coming out, or I feel like this is going to be a reaction. Here's when I'm doing this. I just kind of need you on call. And I'm not saying it has to be about, you're saying paying for school loans and all these things, but it's gathering your people and planning. So you have the support ready. And a lot of times people don't want to ask for help, especially in the community. I, I have found this just with conversations with people. So we don't want to too much. We've been programmed, unfortunately, to feel like sometimes we're too much or people don't understand. And what I have found and continually work on, so I'm going to be honest here as well, of course, the whole time I'm honest that I'm working on this, but asking for help, people want to show up for you. And most of the time people want to show up for you or for us, and they really just don't know how. So sometimes it seems like people are silent. And if we say, hey, I'm doing this hard thing and I need you here. I need you outside of that hotel room. I need you at the lobby of whatever. I need you to meet me at this restaurant. I need you to come pick me up. I need you to bring me food, whatever it is, ask and someone will show up. 
And if you truly feel like you are alone, reach out to an organization that is LGBTQ plus friendly, and there will be people that show up for you. So I definitely could go on the advice, but it's kind of find your people, that chosen family, anticipate to the best of your ability without going too far in the anxiety, which is again, (laughs) easier said than done because I have lived that. And unfortunately, my worst fears were confirmed and then some. And so I understand that part. And then asking for that support and help will really, really help you through. Yes. And we will link up in our show notes to all the campus resources that we have for this community, for counseling, so that students are aware that they're not alone and that there's a lot of people here that can assist them with this process. And as you were saying, your worst fears were confirmed. And I hope you don't mind getting into a little bit of that detail because I think that can be inspiring for people to hear that you came out on the other side of it and that it was temporary. Yeah, I'll share some of what happened. Feeling like you're not part of a family unit anymore, which I can very luckily report has totally changed. And I did have one, really one sibling that has always been the ally. I always say when you turn to the page ally and see the definition, you'll see their photo next to it. But, but, you know, feeling like you're not part of a family unit, feeling like what you were taught and understood as for me, especially because it was later, a little bit later in my life, in my late twenties of these are morals and ethics and values. And because of this one thing about me, now that seemed null and void in a way. And that was very hard for me to understand. And outside of that immediate situation, you know, that confirmation sometimes, which, which was not pleasant of where did I go? Cause now this is all people see or think of me where I'm proud of who I am. And I do want people to know I also am a good person. I'm honest. I work hard. I show up for the community. I hope I'm a good friend. You know, there's these things that we all have in addition to our identities. And for me, I felt like there was a large part of me was erased while I feel like the most truthful part of me was emerging. And that dynamic was extremely difficult to understand and grasp. And, you know, again, over time, things have absolutely, (laughs) I mean, exponentially gotten better. And I'm lucky because it's not the case for everyone. But those are some of the really hard things of just this, it just seemed like opposites continually. And, you know, another hard thing was making decisions, even as I was coming out or outed, you know, because I, there's, depends on where I was and what happened. What do I disclose? Is this going to be safe? How do I edit? Unfortunately, many of us in the community understand, oh, if I'm asked what I did last weekend, who do I actually tell the truth to and who, who do I not? And I'm a truth teller. And so there was just all of that, I say dynamic, but it was just these opposites swirling around each other continually. Those are just a few of the things. It's a lot to handle. And, you know, you were talking about earlier decades compared to students now in college when hopefully things are getting so much better and there's a lot of ability to be authentic in yourself with the people you love, with your colleagues at work. And that is exciting to see because I'm a lot older than you and I can think back to my time in high school and just how 
unaccepting peers were and how hateful people were and bullying. And this is, this is great, but there's still a long way to go as we know. And this is part of the work you're doing now, which I'm really excited to dive into. Tell us about the diversity movement and your role within that. Yes. Yeah. There's so much to say about (laughs) all of that. And if I could just back to the decades before and the time that's evolving. And yes, a lot has been done and you are correct. There's so much work to still be done in all facets of our (laughs) society and also paying homage and respect to who before me has done the work and, and I hope continually after. And I just always try to acknowledge the history and I'm continually diving into LGBTQ plus history. So I understand more how people were fighting and showing up so we could have this conversation today in a safe way and then some. So I now I will go back to your question. I'm sorry I digress, but wanted to take that moment uh, and I appreciate the space to do that. So the diversity movement, I am a, my a title, I guess, or my role, I'm a senior consultant and innovation strategist. So with consulting, I am very client-facing. I'm part of a lot of organizational assessments on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace for businesses of all sizes and all industries. So the assessment phase, so we do a lot of reports with data, we do a lot of action planning, because the information is great, but we want to set organizations up to do the work and not have that checkbox effect, which often happens in DEI work. It's changing, I will say, but the, oh, we took one training session or, oh, we got this data, now we're done. No, what are we going to do with this? So our plans are extensive with goals and accountabilities. I also really do a lot of our live sessions on training and facilitation. I develop the content for a lot of those sessions and lead people through hard conversations and productive conversations and real learning action moments, very much rooted in action. As I just said, information is great, but action is better to create that impact. And then kind of on the innovation side, I just love brainstorming and Somebody will say something to me and I actually have to work on this where my, I have to say, quiet down brain. Not everybody wants an idea from what they're saying. That's a part of listening that I'm working on. I'm brought in just to ideate and, hey, we've got this thing or we've got this idea. Let's kind of hash this out. And it's, it's putting my creative brain to very structured good use <laughs> on our team. And so what we generally do, we help unlock workplace excellence through multiple different things, including what I do. And we have a lot of learning and cool product things that aren't happening in diversity, equity, and inclusion, like our micro video platform. It's like Netflix for DEI. (laughs) You can go on this platform of one to four minute quick videos, learn, listen, and take away. And it's the safe on your screen situation. And we have over 500 videos. We've built this whole platform. There's something we're working on where it's a chat bot where you can ask a question and it just spits something back. We have created all of the content and it's linked to articles and podcasts and you get an answer. And if it can't answer, you get us (laughs) um, live. So there's this innovation of how do we incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion through action in workplaces and keep it sustainable and active learning while in a safe environment. So that's really in a nutshell, you know, and we're very data-driven. 
Yes, you can measure diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Yes, data is supporting that continual, intentional, sustainable DEI in the workplace is helping with retention, with safety, with some of these things we're talking about today, being your authentic self and knowing that's okay. Because honestly, it hasn't been, you know, for many, many people, not just in the LGBTQ plus community. So, you know, in closing to that question, I got to the diversity movement through my own consulting company, which I started many years ago. It's still in existence. So if you want to check it out, it's called With Pride Consulting, which at the time mainly was focused on LGBTQ plus inclusion. I was expanding and through a, a series of just amazing events, you know, those stories that are just, how did that happen? The, the founders of the diversity movement and myself were swirling around lots of virtual speakers speaking events, knowing the same people. And we came together and said, do we want to do this together? And I said, sure. And, you know, that was a decision business-wise. I know we talk a lot and you talk about career and business. It was a decision in my entrepreneurship and business. What do I do? Because I'm building this thing on my own and it's taking off after, you know, five, six, now seven years. I really wanted to work with a super talented, awesome group to do the work bigger, faster, and have that impact. That was the purpose to me. And so there's more backstory to how that all started, but that that's kind of how I got to the diversity movement. That's a great overview. And we will link up to it because the videos that you mentioned sound like they can be so helpful. And I know for many students, they're getting ready to pick their first internship or their first job. And these mm-hmm. companies have these big you know, banners, we're into diversity, but what are they actually doing? Are they walking the talk? What would be helpful for a student to think about as they're debating a couple of offers? We know the economy is picking up and there's a lot of opportunities for students to be the consumer and make sure they select the values that are consistent with theirs. Any thoughts on how to really decipher if you're going to feel like you are included within a team or a larger company? Oh, I love this question. I could talk about this for two hours. I'll do it in a few minutes. <laughs> so if any students are listening and want to talk further, they can reach out to me. You know, a few things and, and exactly what you are saying. And we track with the data and with conversation. Talent management and talent acquisition is evolving. And it's not going to ever go backwards because of this exact thing. Students that are coming into internships, people entering the workforce, and people that have been in the workforce but are in this kind of change period, which is very common right now. They are doing their homework of what does the organization stand for? Who do they support? And exactly to your point, the actions. We may say something, but what are the true actions happening? So this pulse of this question and on the forefront of students and graduates and working professionals' minds, absolutely a real thing that is not going anywhere. So, I mean, there's, there's such a high percentage There's two different stats, 67% of job seekers, which actually has increased, I think it's closer to 80% now, are looking for diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives in organizations. So just a little data there. Now, to really answer, what can people do? Yes, first, look on the website. This is the very first broad step. I'm going to get specific here. Look on the website. Is there a diversity, equity, and inclusion statement? What does the statement really say? Is it specific? Does it talk about action? Does it talk about data? 
sometimes they don't. And I don't want that to deter, you know, that statement itself is important. Are there definitions of what DEI means to the organization? So look for that. And then sometimes, I mean, it's happening a lot. There's a whole page on DEI now on a lot of organizations' websites. So are there employee resource groups? Are there events? Are there celebrations of certain times of the year and things like that? So you can look for that. That's the first step. Second step on the application quite often, and this is something we recommend in a lot of our assessments, add a link on the job description or the application to the DEI statement. Look to see if it's there about the organization on almost all job descriptions or calls for work. Is there something about DEI on that? Now, again, if things aren't there at this point, the application, the job description, don't let that deter you. This is a newer thing that's starting to happen. Just want to flag it because some people like to look for things and they'll, they'll look. So don't worry. Again, look back for that website. And even if you don't see anything, because really we don't want people putting out stuff on a website or any of these other means if they aren't doing the work or they might be in the beginning of that journey. And we want to know so we can support that. So really one of the last things is in the interview process, ask. Ask and be open. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is really important to me. And I would like that to align with where I would have an internship or a job. Could you tell me some specific measures your organization has with DEI? Mm. Ask some version of that question. Yeah. And we can also give space. The person interviewing you may not know what they should say. If you can kind of understand whether it's visual or verbal, but it, language changes, <laughs> they may be a little caught off guard and they may not know nothing's happening. And they're trying to think of their answer. You could say, you know, if you happen to not know, I would love to contact or get in touch with somebody who may know. So I could ask these questions, be proactive and hold people accountable. I'll pause there, but those are the things of doing your homework or research, giving some space, depending on where the organization is and asking questions in the interview process. We are training multiple talent management teams. I mean, it is in every session I do, be ready for those questions. And if you're not sure of the organization's stance or programming or whatever it may be, please find out and have that ready. And if they don't know, and like you said, they aren't on the forefront of it, it may not be the right place for you. You have to mm -hmm. weigh out all the things yeah. related to the salary and the job responsibilities. But we spend a third of our waking hours at work. And if we're not in an atmosphere that we use that word be for belonging, where we really feel like we can dance like no one's watching, which I know is super hard to do. But after the pandemic, I feel like we're all going, we don't have any guarantee of tomorrow. Let's be in an atmosphere that makes us feel like we come alive, where we're doing work that's meaningful, like you are doing. Is there any kind of ranking? I hate to ask that because there's so many of these things where they'll be like, this company, you know, is the best in DEI. Is there anything we can link up to related to assessments of companies? There are a few things out there. I would really do the homework on the actual organization's yeah. website and have conversations with people. Try to connect with somebody, even on LinkedIn. You know, there's sure. Glassdoor. There's pros and yeah. cons to that for sure. I, I try to stay away from that, honestly. Per that's a personal statement. Nobody has to take that, you know, to heart. But 
I would really try to connect with the organization and then ask to talk to different people in the organization. Mm -hmm. If you're talking to somebody in HR, but you want to talk to somebody that would be on your team, ask, Yeah, ask them and, and hold people accountable. So that's what I would say. And, you know, for LGBTQ plus, yes, there's a human rights campaign equality index. They are revamping that currently where organizations are going to really be held much more accountable for that score. So while a lot of scores, we have a hundred on the HRC's equality index. I love HRC. I love their content. They're a very important organization for, for my community. I will say there has been a lot of disconnect of we're a hundred percent here. And there is literally nothing. In fact, a lot of discrimination going on in a lot of the organizations. That's why these scores may be a marker. Mm -hmm. They may not. And the conversations and questions are most important. That's such a good point. And I think mentoring is really important. Maybe even a question to add on to the great question you suggested was, I'm looking for a mentor from this marginalized population. Is there a way that I could seek that out once I become an employee? Because that's an actual person that maybe looks like you or has values like you that you can relate to. Exactly that. And so the blatant to the point DEI questions, right? And then exactly what you're saying. What about mentorship? Ask questions about development. Ask questions about pay equity audits. These are all DEI things, (laughs) They're yes. all about, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So asking those questions about your own professional journey, ask the questions. You can do that. And they're almost always rooted in DEI anyway. Absolutely. You are right. We could talk for two hours on this. You I know. know I am going to invite you back to my women in the workforce class in the yeah. fall semester so that we can continue this wonderful conversation, but we're going to move to our time machine now. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have you say 20 years into the future, what does your older, wiser self need to say to you today? What do you need to hear? I need to hear you need to rest more. <laughs> really? <laughs> I do. I need to rest more. I need to say no more and do the work. I'll say to myself, thank you for doing the work. You're still doing the work. And also it's okay to rest. It's okay to recharge. So you can continue to show up for 20 years to come. So that is the advice. It's real. It's raw. It's honest. And then anybody listening can hold me accountable (laughs) for that. Keep believing in yourself, you know? know your worth, know your specialty and how you show up in this world and continue to treat people with kindness. Those are important things. 